Welcome to Be Brave at Work, a podcast devoted to helping you take the next step in your workplace. Each week, we'll be talking with real people with real stories about things they have not said or done or have said or done in their workplace that required bravery. Let's get started. Hi, everyone. This is Ed Everts, and I'm the founder and president of Excellius Leadership Development. Welcome to Be Brave at Work, a podcast devoted to helping you take the next step in your workplace. I hope you'll listen to our past podcast conversations, and if you'd like to hear past episodes, go to BeBraveAtWork.com, subscribe to our podcasts, and learn some valuable lessons about bravery at work. My new book, Drive Your Career, Nine High-Impact Ways to Take Responsibility for Your Success, is now available in paperback, on Kindle, and in audio at Amazon.com, BarnesandNoble.com, and any online book retailer you prefer. Check out Drive Your Career today. Our podcast today is sponsored by Cabot Risk Strategies. Based in Woburn, Massachusetts, Cabot Risk Strategies has created innovative and customized insurance strategies for individuals and families, businesses, nonprofits, commercial real estate, and public entities. Cabot's client base continues to expand both within the region and within the markets they serve. And if you are looking for customized insurance services and solutions, contact Cabot at 800-222-5963 or visit them for more information at cabotrisk.com. I'm really excited to introduce our guest today. Leslie M. lives to unleash the authentic human potential in everyone she encounters. As a coach, author, trainer, and speaker, Leslie helps people to discover, embrace, and release their unique swagger. We're going to hear a lot about that word swagger today. Leslie is a former United Kingdom TV host and advertising creative director. With the award-winning training company she founded called Combustion, She's been fortunate enough to work with global organizations like Google, TD Bank, Uber, HBO, PepsiCo, and Honda, and has helped professionals at all levels from CEOs down. Leslie's new book, Swagger, Unleash Everything You Are and Everything You Want, was published in May. As a speaker, Leslie brings the swagger message to vibrant life and helps organizations and individuals understand how unleashing authenticity in the corporate world can be transformational to not only performance, productivity, employee satisfaction, and retention, but can significantly up the human factor we all so desire. And she most definitely brings her own swagger to that party. Welcome, Leslie. Oh, it is such a pleasure to be here with you, Ed. Fantastic having you, and I hope all is well. And I attempted to introduce you, and I'm just wondering if you could spend a few more minutes telling folks a little bit more about what you do in the marketplace and really how you connect with the marketplace today. I've had a pretty amazing and varied and wild life, as as you can tell from all of those things that I've accomplished. I'm someone who who steps into opportunities. So when they present themselves to me, I say to myself what my mother taught me to say, which is, why not me? She She used to say that to us all the time when we were kids, whenever we dreamed of doing something cool, and we would say, I wish I could be on TV, or I wish I could be a singer, or I want to write a book. And she would say, why not you? What's stopping you? And she would actually sit and wait for the answer. So we had to come up with something really good. And there was never a good reason because why not me? There is nothing holding me back. So as a result, I've been able to step into all of these incredibly amazing different roles. Um, but the real the real catalyst for me was when I was working as an advertising creative director. I was the, the creative director at McCann, one of the biggest agencies uh, in the world. And my role as a creative director was really to help and support my people to unleash their best work, to help them be better at what they did, more confident, more creative, all of those things. And I found that 
it was really challenging to do that from within the organization because there was it was so fraught with politics and status and client expectations and all of this crazy stuff. So I came home to my husband one day and I said, you know, I feel like I'm using my superpowers for evil instead of good. And I want to do something that's going to help the people that I have come to love and respect in this industry. So I think I'm going to quit my job and start a training company. Well, listen, my husband's pretty awesome, but I got to say in that moment, he was like, I say, what? You're going to do what? And he said, but but you you hate training. You're untrainable. I said, right? Who better to start a training company than someone who A, hates training and B, who is untrainable? Because if I can create experiences for someone like me, then I might be onto something. So that's what I did because I'm a little crazy town like that. Um, I... I I understand now that I was following something very very deeply rooted in in my psyche that desire to really help people to be better that's what what turns me on completely this was the unleashing of all of my potential and cut to you know it only took a few years before this company combustion that I founded became the company that was training Google all over the world, we developed and delivered their global marketer training program that we did for four years, for example. We trained all the best agencies in the world. We moved into that hardcore corporate world. We were training banks and financial services and technology and so on and so forth. Um, So that experience to me, all of the people that I met, all of the, the kinds of training that I did, I discovered a fundamental human truth in the midst of all that. It didn't matter the country, the culture, the company, the level of the the person, their level of experience or expertise or status. At the end of the day, people did not believe that they could reveal who they really were and still find the success that they were dreaming of. They just didn't believe that at their core, they were good enough to merit all the things that 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 they wanted for themselves all of that success and when i when i figured that out that became the beginning of my swagger journey i focused all of my work on that even though i was layering on content and you know it was leadership or creativity or whatever i wanted to make those experiences prove to them that if they were to reveal who they really were or to to show a different side of themselves to their peers and their colleagues, that not only would they be recognized and, and validated for that, but they would feel better. They would feel stronger and more powerful. That was everything to me. And I called that then, I called it swagger, but I didn't know the Pandora's box that I was opening uh, until years later when I had collected all of these amazing stories and really solidified this concept. And that's what led me to write the book. Well, fantastic. And I'd love to go back if we can for a minute, Leslie, and talk about that wonderful mother of yours who had that great question of why not? And I think uh, when we look back on some of the conversations we've had with guests, I think what she was doing was setting context, right? Instead of know it's a bad idea or get back to doing the chores or whatever, but saying, well, think about why not do that? You know, what would be preventing you as a coach? I would be more focused on why can you, right? Not the not, but the why, but even why not is a great, it's almost like a negative comment of, you know, why should you do that? Let's think of the reasons why you should, but that's something people need, I think, in the workplace in order to demonstrate bravery, which is, you know, why shouldn't I say something, right? And it's, it's almost like creating a plus negative 
exercise. What are the pluses of saying or doing something? And what are the negatives of doing it? And, you know, my belief, of course, is that the pluses would outweigh it. Uh, so I think that was great advice uh, from your mother. Oh, my mother was the best. Both of my parents from from day one. I You know, I it's their background, too. You know, my father was a Holocaust survivor. He went through an awful lot. He was orphaned at 15, but became an incredibly successful entrepreneur. My mother came from immigrant parents to Canada, and she always made her way through life. She didn't follow any rules. So we were very lucky that we were we were, it was modeled in our house that you can do anything, that you can create something out of nothing. But we also were very much embraced for who we were. We didn't, we didn't, both my sister and I, we didn't really fit into any mold. I certainly did not fit into any mold. I was all of this when I was five years old and it was challenging. You know, my childhood was, was not without challenges because I was, you know, when I said I was untrainable, I think that's that that's a safe statement for my entire life. Um, but what my mother did was she did her best to channel it as opposed to try and control it or limit it. And when you have a kid who is super precocious and who is very creative and very outspoken and all of those things, if you try and hold them back, then they start to develop those negative self-limiting beliefs. And I didn't. I did not grow up with self-limiting beliefs because why not me? That was always my approach to life. Well, and you look at the background of your parents, whom, whom better for those uh, that type of mentality to come from, which is why not because of the challenges they faced and the accomplishments that they had. And you're talking about another area that I think impacts people uh, in the workplace. And you talked a few moments ago about confidence or, you know, I can't do it because I'm not good enough or I'm not going to feel good enough. And there are people who believe that the underlying reason we don't do things or uh, don't take next steps that might be helpful is because of confidence, that we just don't have the confidence it's going to work out well. We don't feel that you're good enough you know, why me instead of not, instead of why not, it's why me or, you know, how can I do this? Right. And so I think recognizing and for our listeners to go through an exercise of if there is something you need to say or something you need to do that includes amongst other emotions, bravery, do a why not? You know, why shouldn't I say mm -hmm. something? What's stopping why? me? Yeah. What, what's like, stopping get, me? Get pragmatic. I say, you know, when I coach people, I go, write it down. What's stopping you? I do. I do an exercise for people to help them um, reveal and face down that that inner critic, that that negative self talk, and I call this exercise "Dear Loser." So what I get them to do is to write a letter to themselves from their inner saboteur, that inner critic, that nasty voice that is built up over all of those years. Because listen, all of us come into the world a swagger filled badass. We we all feel our bad selves when we're little, but the world has a way of kicking it out of us progressively over time. So I want to face it down. It's the monster in the closet. I want to shine light on it. So I say, write that letter and write it. Like think of a voice that it has. Mine has the Grinch. Dear loser, you think you're so smart, but nobody cares about what you have to say. And really just expunge the toxicity of that negative voice. Then what I have them do is like any good lawyer would, I have them write a rebuttal to this letter. But I ask them to use only facts and proof points because that voice is not logical. It does not listen. It won't listen to opinion. It won't listen to, you know, whatever. It only can be beaten down by facts. So I get them to take the facts of their lives and break that, that 
letter down line by line by line. And at the end of it, they have a series of proof points to prove to them why they are ready, able, capable, adept, you know, beautiful, flawed, fantastic, and that they can face down anything. And what I get them to do then is to reduce it into a mantra that that represents that whole rebuttal that they've written so they can trot it out whenever they, they need to. Because here's the thing, we cannot just tell that that negative voice to shut up. It's That's our psyche talking. Our psyche is going to say something. We have to give it something new to say. We literally have to record over that tape. Because if we don't give it something to say, it'll pick whatever it wants. So it's like, nah, this is what you're going to say moving forward. And you give it that positive talk track as opposed to the negative. And as soon as that negative voice comes and sticks its little grinchy head up and do your loser, you go, and you give it your swagger mantra. I am a gorgeous, talented, badass. Shut it. You know, and you do that over time and it really does work. Because we need to accept that that voice is there to begin with. And that's key to having that courage, that bravery, is to face down the monster. Well, uh, in the coaching arena, we call it the gremlin. And we all have that voice. So we all have that voice that's in our head that challenges or questions or talks when we don't want it to talk, right? And it's never positive talk, uh, or at least it's not often positive talk, but it's mostly uh, you know, what am I doing? Why am I doing it? Am I the right person to be doing it? Everybody's you know, better than me. Someone's yeah. got to be better. I always, I love that, that it's always the point of comparison. I think the irony is that you look around any room and everybody is thinking that about everybody else. Everybody is saying, <laughs> everybody here is better than me. Everybody here is smarter than me. Everybody is, I wish everybody would just say it out loud so we could just all negate each other in that moment. Just negate it and go, you too, me too. Oh my God, really? I think you're so awesome. No, you're awesome. That's usually what happens when you speak that truth. Well, we always think that we're the only one, right? So we walk into a room of people and we think we're the only one who's thinking that when in reality, uh, statistically, it's probably everybody else is thinking of it, not like, or most everybody else. Why? If we know that, if we know this to be true, why do we still think that we're the only ones? It's the most lonely feeling in the world. It's the most disenfranchising and disconnecting feeling in the world to feel like you're alone in your, in your feelings or in your self-doubt or in your, you know, in your fear or whatever. It's, it's, these are fundamental human emotions. Thus, every human is going to be feeling them. just because you have a title does not make you immune to human response. You know, and believe me, in my experience, and I know in your experience as well, just by sheer fact of having a title does not make you more confident. Right. Well, you know? I haven't. Well, I have an answer to your question, and I'm not a statistician, and I've not been studying this for years, and I've not, you know, uh, uh, brought together focus groups to think about it. But I believe that one of the reasons we act that way and think that we're the only one in the room who thinks we don't deserve to be there or are incompetent uh, incompetent is that uh, we've not been raised that way. So in high school, junior high school, mm -hmm. college, boyfriends, you know, teachers, class. yeah, no one, no one, no one taught us this. No one trained us on any of this. And they taught us finance or they taught us accounting or economics, but they don't talk about how to behave, how to treat each other. I'm sure there are schools that do it. I'm not saying that there, there's no schools that do that, but most of the schools that we belong to, and when people ask what you want to be when you grow up, 
it's always vocational, right? I want to be an accountant or I want to be an attorney or I want to be a broadcaster, right? But it's never about uh, how you want to be seen. And so I believe, Leslie, that it's just culturally not where we spend our time. And so it creates these experiences where we need to be braver in the workplace. And unfortunately, no one is helping us to do that other than ourselves. So how about the word swagger? You know, where did that word come from? And why have you adopted that word as a uh, you know, way that you want to be seen in the world? Swagger, the traditional interpretation of swagger, the traditional definition is that show-offy, arrogant, cocky, you know, full of front, full of persona, negative, arrogant kind of vibe. And yet some people refer to it as being something you want. It's crazy that people go, yeah, swagger, it's so cool. But they're referring to the old bad kind of swagger. My definition of swagger is the ability to manifest who you really are and hold on to it in the face of all of that psychological crap that's going to come for it, regardless of your situation or environment. So it's completely unique to you and your experience and your truth and your voice. And it doesn't have to be show-offy or loud or in your face, but it means that you know who you are and you show up the same way no matter where you are. And you don't worry that people are going to have an issue with who you are because if they do, that's on them. It's not on you. That's the beautiful thing about, about swagger is that once you develop it, nobody can take it from you because it is self-developed. It's self-perpetuated. It's got nothing to do with the validation or the feedback of other people. It's, hey, you do you, boo. I'll do me. And I'm not going to be for everyone. And that is okay because I'd rather be all that for some people than to be meh for everybody. It just doesn't make sense. You know, not everybody is going to like a pumpkin spice triple chocolate latte mochaccino with some whipped cream and a little bit of cayenne pepper on the top. And that is totally fine. But that's who I am. I am not a flat white coffee. I'm not. That's just not who I am. So everybody, that's why there's many orders in this world. But I would rather know who I am for. And I would rather know that sooner rather than later. We're going to pause in our conversation with Leslie M. and ask that you join us during our next podcast, where we will continue our conversation about bravery at work. And to our listeners, thank you for joining us this week, and we hope you join us next week as we further explore being brave at work. We also remind you to subscribe to our podcast at thebraveatwork.com and or download and listen to our podcast on multiple online platforms. We are everywhere. Our podcast today was sponsored by Cabot Risk Strategies, whom you can reach at 800 222 5963 or visit them for more information at cabotrisk.com. And a reminder to check out my new book, Drive Your Career, Nine High Impact Ways to Take Responsibility for Your Own Success, which is available in paperback, on Kindle, and in audio everywhere online. Do you have something to say, yet are not saying it? Do you have something to do, yet are not doing it? Now is the time to be brave at work. Have a great week.